All right, there we go. I heard the alarm, so it's, uh, it's time. Uh, well, guys, welcome to Fellowship Institute. Uh, I am Scott Feldman, uh, the coordinator, and uh, so I've been in touch with most of you guys via email and, and whatnot. So um, happy that you're here. I'm really thankful for you guys that um, you've, you've seen the value, and not only that, um, you're following the Lord's leading to be here, and you're willing to get up uh, ridiculously early. So um, just show of hands, how many guys got eight hours of sleep last night? Six? Anybody? Six? Okay, five? Five? All right, what about the fours? Four hours? Okay, Dennis, a few? Three? Ah, Mike, man. All right, we're, uh, we're, we're on the same page. Um, it, uh, I... I would say it, it gets easier. I guess you get used to it. I won't necessarily say it gets easier, but it's, it, it's worth it. Um, so before we jump in, I wanted to um, just recap what we're doing here, um, why Fellowship Institute exists, and, and what our hope is for your time here, because you're going you're gonna to be here for 18 months, so it's a significant commitment. Fellowship Institute exists to equip men for effective biblical leadership in their families, their church, in their world. So looking at that, the activity that we're about here is, is equipping. Um, so we want to we equip you with, with knowledge, and so we're going to be covering different content areas, uh, Bible, theology, practical, spirituality, um, so knowledge, but also skills. You know, how do you do certain things that any mature believer should be able to do, and then character. So our hope is that as you're taking in the knowledge, as you're growing in skills, and as you're in a context um, where you're in relationship with other guys who are pursuing the same thing, that you're growing in character as well. Um, So our part as those who are leading and facilitating um, is to to bring the the content, uh, the teaching in these different areas, but also to provide the context for you to grow. Um, and so that's only part of it, though. Your part is we got to have you 100% in, participating, engaged. Because um, if you're not, you know, it's just going to be it, it, it's it's going to be good information, but you're going to really miss out on all that that God has for you. So um, I'd encourage you, whether this is your first time in in a program like this or not, just go for it. Just go for it. Um, get, get to know uh, your guys and, and, and participate as much as you can. So um, our hope is that you would be equipped for biblical leadership, like we said, in those different areas. And so you know, leadership is, is influence. So coming out of this and in your time here, um, our desire is to see you grow in your influence um, in your family, in your workplace, in this church, and in the world um, to help others to know and to follow God's plan and God's purpose um, for their lives as well. So that's what we're about. Um, so I already introduced myself just to kind of let you know who's involved here. So I'm the uh, Fellowship Institute coordinator. Bob Rowland is giving overall leadership to Institute um, over here at Table 4. And then, thank you, Bob, each of y'all have a table leader um, who will introduce themselves shortly, and, and their role um, is to help facilitate the group activities, the group discussion, and everything, and so you'll get used to that as we go. Um, and then, finally, Dennis 
Law in, in uh, the back who actually enables you to hear us. So that's good. And also is recording the teaching. So um, we ask that if at all possible, you make every session that you can, but sometimes because of business travel, sickness, you can't. Um, we make those recordings available online, so I'll send out information about that. You can always go back and, uh, and, and catch what you missed. So um, let's go ahead around the table, and starting with the table leader, um, we're going to just introduce ourselves. So I want you to share your name, a little bit about your family, uh, what you do during the day. There's a lot. Why you joined Institute, and then the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten. Okay, weirdest thing that you've ever eaten. And then I'll come back up when uh, it's time for Crawford to, to kick off. All right? Name, family, work, why you joined, and weirdest thing you've ever eaten. All right, guys, we've got about um, two, three minutes before Crawford's going to start. So if you need to get a warm-up of coffee, I'd go ahead and uh, grab that. Uh, if you didn't get any food or you want a little extra, go ahead and grab that. And uh, we'll get started back here in about two, three minutes. Thanks. Well, good morning. Good to see you all this morning, and uh, I'm excited about this, uh, this new kickoff of Fellowship Institute, as I shared on Sunday mornings, that uh, we changed the format, uh, and so we went a year rather than, eight, rather than 18 months. We used to do it 18 months, and we changed that. Well, what happened was that we, because of that, we graduated everybody. It just so we're we're starting from scratch and good to see you. A couple of you are are back. I want to state the obvious. Um, we got all the brothers sitting at this table right here. <laughs> now you know we ain't into segregation up in this place. So you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's the way they do these congressional districts, too, man. <laughs> you know, man. Just, so just saying, man, I mean, this is not like timeout or whatever, man. So, you know, you're redlining up, up at Fellowship Bible Church. So. <laughs> but good to see everybody here this morning. And I'm just excited about what God's going to do in all of our hearts and lives. And uh, you know, Scott said, let me just say this up front, you know, there's nothing magic about content in and of itself. The value that Fellowship Bible, uh, Fellowship Bible, the value that Fellowship Institute brings to all of us is what we do with what we get. This is the bottom line. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, there's nothing magic about reading or taking notes. The whole idea <clears throat> is for it to be incorporated into who we are, into our lives, and to make a difference with it. Um, uh, the, the, the issue with change is that, you know, y you can be set up all you want to, but somebody has to pull the trigger, and we have to pull the triggers in our own hearts and lives and make the application. And so, you know, we're just excited about what the Lord's going to do. Uh, we want to enhance transparency here. I'm really excited. Uh, uh, we've changed a little bit. We're going to spend a little bit more time at our tables, and this is a little unusual the way we're starting off today, but we're going to spend a little bit more time at our tables uh, to really interact and share with one another. And I want to encourage a couple of things here, uh, state the obvious. Uh, number one, that this is a safe place around the table. And um, obviously what is shared here with one another it should stay with each other. And, 
And I think uh, that level of heart communication and uh, the application of what we're hearing um, uh, just helps to make us, for it to get into our hearts and lives better, and we, we become uh, better multiplying, multiplying disciples. And uh, so just really excited about that. And, and the other thing, too, is that we want you to use uh, what you're learning here. Um, you know, the, the, the quickest way I have found in my life is for me to, when I, when I share with others what God has placed in my heart and life, it just does something about ownership here. And I want to encourage you uh, to use the content, uh, share it with others, give it away, invest, and, uh, and that's what it's really all about. Uh, we're not about producing eggheads here, meaning that, you know, we go through the theological stuff and the leadership stuff and all of this stuff, and uh, this is not just fodder for arguments. Hopefully, this is a pathway to engage the Lord, and that uh, we're more like Jesus as a result of, of going, going through all of this. Uh, we, we want to uh, strike a balance here. Uh, there is content delivery. Uh, some of the sessions, obviously, when we get into theological framework and this kind of thing, would tend to be a little more lecturish. Um, but at the same time, with that in mind, um, we want to create an environment where, you, you know, you feel free to jump in, to ask questions, to uh, probe, and, and, uh, and this kind of thing. Uh, because uh, the bottom line is not just an information dump. Uh, we want it to be embraced. We want us to understand, and, and we want to create the environment in which uh, you're free to ask anything you want to ask. And so that's, that's, where, that's, where, we, that's where we are. I want to start off um, these three sections. I want to start off where I really believe we need to start. I want to talk about uh, we have three sessions on our relationship and walk with God. Uh, because that's foundational. Uh, it is everything. In fact, a uh, couple of framing things here. Um, you know, somebody wrote a book a number of years ago, You Are What You Eat, which is terrible to think about that. Um, but the truth of the matter is, the bottom line is, we are our walk with God. We are our walk with God. Our relationship with God is not part of our lives. It's not part of our lives. It is our life. And I want you to marinate in that thought for a second. It is our lives. In other words, what I have found, if you struggle with whether or not your walk with God is core to you, you're never going to have intimacy with the Lord. Uh, part of the reasons why most people struggle with keeping a consistent, what do you want to call it, quiet time or devotional life or reading the Bible and praying, I happen to believe is that because viscerally, not intellectually, viscerally, we've not made up our minds that my life depends on it. My life depends on it. And uh, God often has to do critical things to us to help us to understand, you're not going to make it unless you seek me. And some of those things don't necessarily have to happen if we make up our minds. 
And so I think sometimes when all of our discussions, and we're going to get into how to. I've got a handout here. We're going to talk about some very practical things, and particularly today about listening to the Lord, listening to God. Uh, I think they're very practical stuff, but I think there's a thing that you got to do before you get into the practical stuff. You, you can tell people how to do something, but at a certain point, you just got to sit down and say, have you made up your mind that this is everything to you? Have you made up your mind that your walk with God is everything? And that apart from him, you can't do anything. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I think it's I think it's that crisis moment that you have to embrace. And that's why I want to begin here. It's that crisis moment you've got to embrace that, you know, saying that I exist for the glory of God is more than just some head thing or, or you know, detached spiritual observation. Uh, saying that I exist for the glory of God is reality. And that my value in life, my impact in life, the reason why I'm here um, only takes on eternal significance and meaning in proportion to me pressing in to God. Your legacy, your family, everything depends on that. And I, I, look, I'm not chasing a rabbit here. I think part of, the, this, part, part of our struggle, too, has to do with this, this sort of um, subculture of Christianity here. And uh, we get into this subculture of Christianity, and uh, we embrace sort of like this. It, it, this is kind of like, you know, the way we sort of think and do life. We don't force the decision. I'm going to be preaching on Sunday uh, that text in First Peter on, on holiness. And, uh, and Peter begins that discussion on holiness by striking urgency. Urgency. It's as if he's, he's telling these exiles who are going in the suffer, who, who, who are under persecution and this kind of thing, um, hey, man, life ain't no joke. So, uh, again, I'm pressing into this a little bit here. Um, so as we talk about the how-tos, the how-tos um, are based upon, you know, what predicates that is my choice and decision in how I look at my life. How I look at my life. How I look at my moment in history. How I, how I answer the question, why am I here? And when you answer that question, there's a certain there are a number of things that's taken off the table. And so we've got to decide that not only is God my priority, he is my, he is my passion. And when that's, when, that, when that's answered, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm busy too and I get it and I, if, I would be lying to you if I say that I don't, 
ever struggle with, you know, having the time. I, it's, a, it's a daily discipline. I get it. That's true. But I tell you what, it makes it a lot easier when you make up your mind that um, I, I ain't going to live without him. I'm not going to live unless I get my soul nurtured and fed. Um, so <clears throat> I just wanted to underscore that with us. Um, when I ask a few, ask, raise a couple of questions. This first installment here, we're going to talk about our relationship with God, but hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice. Let me pose a question to you. Uh, does God speak to us? Really? Yeah. A little faint. Those are the dudes that only slept for three hours. Um, in what ways does he speak to us? Okay. The Holy Spirit. Okay. Through others. Okay. Through experiences. All right. All right. Um, why don't we hear his voice more often? Self. Okay. Not tuned into him. Okay, what does that mean? It means that you're really, you've got to have a very open relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord in order for you to be able to hear mm-hmm. what he's saying. So yeah. There can't be any kind of a, a thing in your life that is kind of blocking yeah. that, that communication. That presupposes that God is speaking more than we're listening, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Good. You're going to say something? Are you? Huh? You don't know his voice. That's intriguing, okay? Um, what do you mean by that? Kind of like the Yeah. Reminds me of John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Yeah. That's an intriguing observation, because you, you could have, uh, you know, if you're not walking close to the Lord and discerning, uh, you can assume other voices are his voices, and uh, impulses, and that kind of, Yes. The distractions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? What's that? Patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like my Achilles heel. <laughs> you know, I mean, sitting and being silent. Uh, um, you know, I've said this here before. It's, it's, it's. I think it's pretty true. The longer we walk with God, the less volume God uses to speak to us. Because, you know, and that's a general statement. I'm not, you know, there are exceptions here. But I've I've found um, 
the less dramatic he, he is with us. You know, you think, you, think about, you think about Elijah, right? Was that 1 Kings uh, 19? You think about Elijah, he was upset, he was depressed, and uh, which, by the way, gentlemen, we really need to be careful. Every time I read that text, I get a little nervous because there is a point at which um, uh, your discouragement um, will cause you to sort of uh, kind of like it, you cultivate your anger, your disappointment, and that it creates a stubborn refusal to be encouraged. And you, you get a little taste of that as you read that. And so God's not in the, he, uh, Elijah comes to Sinai and he, you know, he's not in this loud voice, and none of that, but in a gentle, soft whisper. And I'm reading too much into this, I suppose, but um, I almost like to think that God was saying to Elijah, hey, buddy, you know my voice. Your expectations are here, you know. So all that to say, um, yeah, we should be very careful of typecasting God. And just because he spoke to you one way on one occasion doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to use the same volume or the same approach the next time. And so I think we have this tendency to want to want to put God in a box or systematize how he does things. So that's, that's not necessarily so. Yes, sir. <laughs> How long you been married, man? <laughs> you, you, you didn't need no degree in theology to figure that one out, man. <laughs> I've said to people before, they've asked me, have you ever heard God speak to you audibly? I said, no, but the closest thing is the second soprano I lived with. So, <laughs> so yeah, man. Yeah. All right, well, <clears throat> I'm going to pass this out, and we're going to walk through this. Someone can help me here. Hopefully we have enough. You all were a little last minute, but it is, uh, that's what men, that's what we do. So... I remember when I was speaking at these Promise Keepers events, you're talking about patterns of how men register for things. Uh, I mean, these are like stadiums that they had to put money down to reserve. You know, a good 25% to a third of the guys would wait to the last minute to register. Well, well you know, so you get a stadium of 60,000 people. What is a third? I mean, it's like, it's a third of 60,000. 20? <laughs> this is like... Yeah, taking Maylots. I love this line from D.L. Moody. <clears throat> Moody says, in prayer, we talk to God. 
In prayer, we talk to God. In Bible study, God talks to us. And we had better let God do most of the talking. In prayer, God talks to, in, in prayer, we talk to God. In Bible study, God talks to us. And we had better let God do most of the talking, D.L. Moody. Um, now let me say this at, at, the, at the outset. Uh, you, if you haven't already, you're going to run into a, a, a considerable number of believers who are um, in a camp that, you know, God's speaking to them, and they're always telling you what God is saying to them. You're going to run into that. The Lord told me this. The Lord said to me, or God has a word for me, for you, this kind of thing. Uh, how, do, how do we relate those words from God to the word of God? Okay, better align with the word of God. All right. Can you know for sure, for sure, 100% certainty, apart from God's word, that your impressions are from the Lord? Uh, okay. You're saying if somebody comes to you with, God told me to tell you this, or... Yeah. Okay, how do you verify that apart from God's word? I mean, it's, it's prayer. It's that, it's that conversation and that patience listening for the answer. It's not necessarily moving yeah. immediately, but, you know, having the patience and discernment to just wait for the verification. Okay, well, I'm going to push this a little bit. I'm not, I'm not messing with you, but I'm going to push this a little bit. But that's what that person did that told you. They, they said, I got a word from, I was praying and I got a word from God and I'm sure about this. And you go, okay, I'm not sure. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go pray. So I get down on my knees and I pray. And I have a sense of verification. Well, how do you know that your verification is God's verification other than how you feel about it? <laughs> Can it, uh, if you some correct the technical circumstances, and then one or two people come up with the same thing, can that like your spiritual? Yeah, yeah. So that's what some would say. They say, okay, in the mouth of two, the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. Okay. So does that establish it? See, I, I, I'm not messing with you. This, this, this is real stuff. I mean, I've had people come to me and give me words of prophecy, Crawford. You, this is going to happen to you at this point in your life. And God told me this. Listen to me. This is from the Lord. I got a word from the Lord. Should I follow that? The question is, how you know? How you, how you will know? I, I like it. I see this uh, a lot. Uh, I say, well, the time, the time will tell if that is true or not. If it's not, then you will be in 
a little bit of trouble <laughs> because you're saying something that is that is not God. That's right. Okay. And say, meet me at the rock quarry because you're going to be stoned to death, right? <laughs> All right. Now he, yeah. Ken. Yes. But not yeah. audibly, but be prompting you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then confirmed by others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a hard one. Yeah. So let me go ahead. Okay, now I want, I, I want to go in some waters right here. I want you to distinguish between circumstantial certainty and definitive certainty. Okay, this is important. This is huge. You got to distinguish between circumstantial certainty and definitive certainty. What's the difference between those two? Here, here, here's the difference. All right. The Bible is not a point of reference for the Christian. The Bible is the context by and through which we live the Christian life. Does God speak outside of what he said in his word? Yes, he does. But the only way, if I sense God speaking to me about something uh, and I have peace about it, and this kind of thing. The only way I can know for sure is to take it under the context of truth. This is definitive certainty. This other stuff is existential certainty, circumstantial certainty, uh, this kind of thing. But this, the Bible, is definitive certainty. And so whenever someone, I'm not saying that they, what they say to you is not from the Lord, um, uh, when somebody says something to me that God said this to tell you this, I listen um, and I, I say, okay, let's just wait and see. And you go to the book and you wait and see. What I want to encourage us with is this. Please be very careful. Please be very careful of absolutizing your impulses And the senses that you have about stuff, uh, it may be from the Lord, but this right here is definitive certainty. Okay? And this is where God's primarily speaking. We, we don't question this. This is his voice. This is God's voice. And it's certain. And so... Um, the other thing I would say, and I'm getting a little off here, is that when, whenever, um, even if you sense there's something on your heart, that God's placed on your heart to say to someone, say it with humility. Don't say it as if, you know, this is a revelation from God to them. 
you don't know that. You say, look, I feel led uh, to share this with you. I want you to pray about this. I want you to think about this. I want you to go to God about this. Check it out with his word. But I sense perhaps you need to consider doing or whatever. Always say it with humility. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, having said that, um, how does God speak to us? And I, I just outlined, what, what are these, eight things here or whatever, seven, eight. How does he speak to us? I star the first one because that's definitive certainty. God speak to us, speaks to us through his word. If you want your steps to matter and if you want direction from the Lord of necessity, you've got to be a man of the book. There's no shortcuts. Sorry. You know, you can get slain in the spirit all you want to and go to people to get a prophetic word and all of this stuff. There's no shortcuts. If you want God to direct your family, if you want God to direct your life, if you want God to give you insights, if you want God to work in your life, you want God, uh, you, you, you got you to be a man of the book. You got to be a man of the word. Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, just any, any number of times. Um, for example, coming here, the Fellowship Bible Church uh, in 2005, <clears throat> I was struggling with, there were, there were, there were three other, there were a total of three places that I need to make a decision about. And they weren't like the difference between A and Z. They were like this between A plus, A, and A minus, A minus, and given on the time of the day, they would change orders. So it was sort of like, this was a crazy maker, and Karen and I were just uh, wrestling. Um, now, I had peace in my heart about fellowship on one hand, and yet I just needed, needed some certainty. So uh, I was, uh, this was Father's Day weekend. I was at a Promise Keepers Arena event in North Carolina. I was sitting out in, in the audience. I wasn't speaking that evening, and, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of like wrestling with all this because a decision needed to be made. The newsboys were singing, and right in the middle of their set there, the leader stops, and he starts quoting passages from Isaiah. Fear not, I am with you. And it just went on and on and on. And I began, and this is, this is rather dramatic, but I, I, the tears start flowing down my cheeks because Scott gave me the answer. Make the decision. Fellowship is a place. And so that is a dramatic deal, but I can tell you any, any number of times, any number of times where, um, you know, you're faced with a challenge, you're faced with something that's going on, and what are the biblical principles should, that should guide this decision? What are we going to do about this financial challenge? What am I going to do about this discipline issue with my son or my daughter? 
What are we going to do about where we live? What principles, what biblical principles guide me? Now, I'm getting a little granular here. Sometimes, God, you go to his word, he's not going to say, okay, um, I want you to live two houses down. He's not going to be that specific. But he will give you the framework or the principles, the guiding stars, that th- these are the truths by which you need to make this decision. And so he speaks in terms of don't violate these principles. Don't violate these things. And you make your decision within that framework. And so that happens all the time. But what, my, what I want to push all of us here with as we talk about listening to God's voice, I want to push you. You got to be serious students of the Bible. You got to be serious students of the Bible. Because those things then become part of your identity. The word is in you. You've memorized it. You've read it. And it just frames you. I can't tell you the number of times. And this is your experience, too. I can't tell you. Just my regular morning reading of the scriptures, I can't tell you the number of times that later on in the day I'll I'll be faced with a situation. I go, oh, that's what that was about. That's what that was about. So, and by the way, the Holy Spirit shows up in very forcible, clear ways when we are in the book. And so this is what, you know, I would say is our priority. God does speak to us through his word. Through his word. I decided to put this second one in here. God speaks to us through his son. The Lord Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> and that's how he's speaking primarily through the world. Through the world. Everything is to exalt Christ. God will never tell you to do anything that violates his book, and God will never tell you to do anything that uh, does not exalt his son. God also speaks to us through nature and creation. Romans 1, 20. He speaks to us there. Now, Is God's revelation in nature equal to God's revelation in his word? Okay, that's interesting. All right. So I can go to, you know, go to Colorado and up at Pikes Peak. Look at the grandeur there. Behold the 
Grand Canyon. Go up to Whistler in, in Canada and look at the, just the beauty. See, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm just going to let God speak to me from his creation. Is that, so, is, that, is that the same? Even the text that I quoted, Paul is not saying that creation is the final statement, but it is the pathway to specific revelation about God. Yeah. And everything else. So I think that's why we have to be careful how we look at nature. Yeah. And as far as defining it, um, when we're trying to figure out, back up. I don't think God was telling us the end of the world was coming through nature. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, the point I was trying to make is that, you know, we got to be very careful that we don't say more than what God says. Okay. We, you look at our events and things that happen, these catastrophes, and you know, excuse me, but I, I just want to be straight up. There are too many idiot Christians who stand up and write blogs and make stupid, irresponsible statements that God is judging us. This is the reason why this has come. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. That might be your sense. You don't know that. I would raise a question, if that's God's judgment, then maybe God was judging those, uh, those, those Christians that Peter, that talked about who were dispersed by persecution. Were they being judged? Or were they being purified? So this, this is the reason why I say that you got to be careful. This, this, this is definitive. This is definitive. God does speak through nature. In terms of a pathway, in terms of getting our, look at the creator, look at how it's wonderful. It's all of that. But you don't have your devotions by creation. Yeah. The other thing we need to understand is nature can deceive us. Mm -hmm. The word can. Mm. We can look at a beautiful lake like Rainier and, and somebody makes a comment and say, wait, 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 wait. That was man-made. Mm. That, that wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I want to hold attention there. I don't want to I don't want to erase what I just wrote down here. God uses nature as a pathway. God speaks through it. And you're absolutely right. Uh, he created it and it does manifest his glory. And in that regard, we ought to appreciate it and celebrate it and say, look at our great God. But his definitive voice is here. And our appreciation of what God has done is explained here. And this is the source. But he does speak to us. 
speak to us. In fact, there's enough revelation in nature to produce condemnation in our souls. And that's what Romans 1 is all about. There's enough revelation to say that should have triggered in your heart and mind. Uh, How did all this get here? And if you were sincere in that pursuit, God would have led you to special revelation. Okay, Uh, let's, let's move on here. God also speaks to us through, we've said this before, other believers. That's the reason why we live in community with one another. God has given other believers that he wants to use in our lives to encourage us, to speak to us, to correct us, to help us, to give us perspective. So we need to, if, you, if, if, we're, if we're longing to hear God's voice, then we need to rush to community. That's why community is important. We can miss what God wants to say to us through other believers if, if, if we're living isolated lives. God speaks to us through circumstances. Through the events of our lives, he orchestrates these things. He gets our attention. He changes our priorities. He allows things to happen to guide us to where he wants us to be. You got to pay attention to those circumstances. Now, the trick is, is that there's a tension. You, you, you know, you can't read too much into it. But at the same time, sometimes the answers to our dilemmas are obvious. I mean, God's allowing these roadblocks and rearranging our lives and, you know, setting things up. And he's using circumstances. And not all of the negative circumstances or what we perceive to be as negative circumstances are negative circumstances. They're gifts from God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, for example, you read Philippians chapter 1, he's thrown in jail. His restriction was not confinement, but his restriction was focus. And so he looked at his imprisonment and saying, hey, look, God has allowed this. Why? Well, look at what's happening here. I'm focused on these guards that are watching me. Many of them have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, so much so that the gospel is being spread. So circumstances. God speaks to us and he guides us through those things. Obviously, he speaks to us through his spirit. The spirit is given to us, the Holy Spirit is given to us to not only guide us into all truth, but to apply the truth that he's guiding us into with regard to the challenges and the opportunities and the direction that, that God wants us to go in life. And that's what uh, was it? Romans 8, 14 is all about, uh, that we're led of the spirit of God. And the spirit of God wants us to submit to him to be under his control. I'm going to talk more about that in weeks ahead. We're also led through prayer. Through prayer. So more about this in a second, but prayer, prayer is, is conversation. Prayer is conversation. We're, 
we're talking to God, but God's talking to us. I just can't tell you the number of impulses, uh, clarity, senses that I've come to after I've prayed. And I view prayers, you know, not, not, not just me saying words, but just sitting in silence. Sometimes things just get clearer. And God speaks to us as we pray. Okay. Now, let's circle back around, though, and get to the definitive point here. So the question is, if, if this is God's voice right here, and it is, if this is his voice, then how do we get the most out of reading it? How do we harvest the gems? I mean, if this is our life, uh, how, do we, how do we hold on to these things? Well, let me give you some practical suggestions, and I probably have left some stuff out. If you guys think of some, then you can, you can, um, you can give them. But th- this stuff comes out of my own, my own engagement with the Scriptures. The very first thing that we need to do, I think, before we approach the Word, is to clear your mind and expect God to speak. Clarity and expectation. Clarity and expectation. Clarity and expectation. Um, clear your mind. I don't know about you, but I, ha, have you ever tried to read the Bible and there's a lot of, I mean, just, <laughs> just happens, man. You, you, you know, and if you got a head like mine, which I hope you don't, I mean, it's not a good thing. I, you know, I've, I've got a little latent ADD and stuff in there, and I just, my head needs to be clear. It's almost as if, you know, you're going to go to the book and God is saying, okay, Crawford, 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 come on, buddy. Get this stuff away from you. Put your phone in another room. You know, don't multitask when you're in my presence. Don't do that. Don't do that. Clear your mind. The other thing is anticipate and expect. God's going to say something to you. When you open that book, uh, when you open that book, I just, you know, I think you, sometimes we get what we expect. And if you wrote regurgitated, you just kind of do it because you're gutting it out. All right, I'm supposed to read the Bible. This kind of thing. Well, you know, your head's not in the right place and you're not expecting much. But I tell you, if you expect God to do something, your sensitivities, your, your concentration is heightened. You're looking for him to do something. So that's the place to begin. I also think that, you know, what, what I do is that I pray. Before I read the book, I just pray. It's quick sometimes. Uh, you ask God to speak to you. God, speak to my heart. I need something from you. Um, ask God to enlighten your mind. God, Illumine my mind. Help me to understand what you're trying to say to me. Ask him to give you a receptive heart. 
Oh, God, may I not resist what you want to say to me today. Help me not to fight this. And then ask God to give you a will to obey. And again, you know, this is just Crawford stuff here, but, you know, if you do this, God, God's going to answer that prayer. He's going to answer that prayer. The other thing I would say is this. Now, this is counterintuitive, but keep a routine. Um, even the most random of us, in, in, in some degree, even the most random of us has been my observation. We, we're, we're all in varying degrees creatures of habit. We all are. And you, you, you got to get a routine. And sometimes it's in the discipline of that routine that, you know, anticipation is there. It's a habit. You're looking forward to it. It's something that you do. So I would say, I would say do it the same time, generally speaking, and the same place, generally speaking. Now, I say generally speaking because life is not that neatly tied up. Sometimes there are things that's happening to you, you know, every once in a while when I travel someplace, I have an early flight and I don't, you know, don't, didn't have my time with the Lord then, so I find me a corner in the airport and, you know, open my Bible and my journal and I have to do it then. And so I'm not saying about those exceptions, but I think generally speaking, generally speaking, uh, discipline yourself to do it at the same time and in the same place. I encourage people, you can do it anytime you want to. I mean, it, it's not, you know, the Bible doesn't say you have to do it at a certain time of the day. But I encourage most people, most people to do it first thing in the morning. And the reason why I do that is because most dudes, we're the same. Once that train leaves the track, we're on board. And the truth of the matter is when you come home, especially if you've got young families or whatever, uh, you know, you get worn out and, and trying to do it at night, I would say discipline yourself. Uh, do it first thing in the morning. Uh, I have a personal little thing for me. I don't check email. I don't check messages. I don't check anything. I don't read anything before I read this. Because if I do that, knowing Crawford, if I open up email, if I look at a text, if it's a Scud missile, then it's going to take me, it's going to take me a couple hours to get my head back into the corral. So I would say give, give God the freshness of your mind. First thing in the morning. I don't typically have a conversation even with Karen before I talk to the Lord. I say typically every once in a while. She's got an insight that I need to hear. Um, same time, same place. The other thing I would say is keep track of what you read. Keep track of it. Um, I would suggest consider following a Bible reading plan or program. And, I, you know, I started to bring it, but, you know, you can, just, you can just Google that. There are a ton of them out there, whichever one works for you. And uh, let me just give a plug at this point. Um, I, I want to encourage you. I, I think this is just an opinion here, 
But I think every believer, at least for the first four or five years of their walk with God, if they haven't done this, should do it, should at least read the Bible through every year. Read it through. 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 And, uh, uh, and the reason for that is, is, is obvious. I think when you start from the beginning and you go all the way through, now there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a chronological Bible. The, the, the books of the Bible not necessarily are given in historical chronological order. That's true. But even if you don't, even if you just read it from Genesis to Revelation, the way it is there, what, what that does for you, it gives you the flow of context. It gives you the flow of history. And it's going somewhere. And there is benefit in forcing yourself to read through Leviticus and all of that and read the begotting and the beginning and, and all of that. Because once you get through that, uh, not the details of that, but you see how it flows in terms of context and redemptive history. And I think it's, I, I, this is just, I want to encourage you to do that. If you have not read through the Bible all the way through, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. The discipline does wonders for you. Um, and I, I suggest, you know, it's just me, but I suggest, you know, do it, do it consistently for four or five years. Um, I still do that. Been doing that for years. I still do it. Um, sometimes I'll get sidetracked now and I'll go a little bit deeper in something and whatever and it'll take me a little bit longer than a year because I'll go back to some of this. So I'm not saying that, you know, that's, but I just want to encourage you along those lines. Um, so as you read, keep these questions in mind, these four questions in mind, okay? Whatever text you're reading, whatever passage you're reading, keep these four questions in mind. Um, what did I learn about God from this passage? What about his nature did he reveal to me? Flipping it over, what did I learn about human nature from this passage? Third question is, how does this passage apply to me? And then, what do I need to do, change, or become? I mean, you could probably come up with some of your own questions, but these are some of the standard things that roll through my head as I read the scriptures. What am I learning about my great God? What insights is there about man and human nature. Okay, uh, God, what are you saying to me? Then what do you want me to do? And that's how you, you engage it. The, the, the other thing I would say down here is, uh, next bullet point, write in your Bible. 
write in it. You know, I know some people that don't, but, but write in your Bible, write in the margins of it. You know, you pick up your Bible, your Bible should be like reading, when you, your personal Bible should be like a journal. You know, you, you write in it. I, 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 by the way, what I do, we have 11 grandkids and uh, uh, six grandsons. And so when our grandsons turn 13 years old, I give them the Bible that I have preached from and had my devotions in. And they have what I've written in it. And, uh, and it's just a little thing that we've, we, we, we decided or I decided to do to pass on. And, you know, I think it's a great thing. It's, it's about your journey. It's about what God's saying to you, and it's something that you can give to the next generation or whatever. But even if you don't do that, I think it's, yeah, I can't tell you the number of times. Just the other day, I was going through something, and I, I, I read a passage that I had read before, and I, I had written some stuff in the march, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, that's your answer right there, buddy. I've already spoken to you. Yeah. See, we lose a lot of equity. We lose a lot of spiritual equity. And uh, so you, you want to capture what God, God has said for you right in the Bible. Um, I've already said this. The next little point is that read consecutively. Don't skip around. Try to read systematically. And even if, you're, even if you're chasing down a subject in the scripture or there's a topic that you're, you're doing more of, you're getting passages on that, let me encourage you, even in your personal Bible reading, uh, don't uh, consider the author's context when you go to various passages. Uh, understand what, what's being said there. This will protect you from misapplying the scriptures. And you may say, well, Corporate, I'm not teaching, and it's just for me. Well, even for you, because if you misapply it to yourself, you're not really embracing the truth or the intention of the author. So read it consecutively. Use a journal. Use a journal. And uh, I have, yeah, I, I have a bunch of these things, but just... Grab a journal. This is a, this is a monster right here. I, I got this because I kept, you know, I kept wasting a lot of money on getting these. Every time I turned around, I was getting these little thin things. So, but whatever, just get a journal. And what you do, I, I would encourage you to do, is that record what God has said to you. And then record what you intend to do. It doesn't have to be long. Um, the last little point here is to respond to what you have read. Respond to it. Uh, consider writing a prayer in your journal, responding to what you've read. Now, this is just an idea. It's very helpful to me. If uh, you open up my journals, you know, most, it's, most of them, they're prayers. Uh, it, and I, I get in a word and Typically, what you'll find uh, in uh, an entry on a particular day, I, it's, a, it's something that God has said to me in a passage. And I'll say, thank you, Father, for speaking to my heart about... As a result, help me whatever 
And it's just, that, and I, I just can't tell you what it does for you. What happens to you is that you, you record that. It doesn't take long, just a few minutes. You record that, right? And then you're going through something six, seven months down the road. You reach back and grab one of your journals. And you say, oh, my. Oh, my. Look at what God said to me. It's encouraging. See, our, as we said this earlier, our, our problem is it's not, it's not that God's not speaking. It's just that we're not in a position to hear him. Or we've gotten distracted. Or he's spoken to us, but we let it evaporate. So record what he's saying to you. Record what he's saying. This stuff adds stability to you. And adds strength to you. All right, just got a few more minutes here. Let's hustle. Um, little little thing that I threw in here, and we've probably touched on this already. Just um, four suggestions on learning to listen. The first one is slow down and be still. Slow down and be still. And I actually think that this needs to be practiced on a daily basis. I also think that it needs to be practiced, uh, you know, I would suggest on a weekly basis with the Sabbath. We'll at some point talk more about this, where you just take some time to step back every week um, and just to be still. Be still. Secondly, I would suggest uh, make a list of questions or concerns you want God to address. What do you want the Lord to speak to you about? You know, it's not just, God, I just want to hear your voice. Well, okay. But what do you want me to say to you? What do you want God to say to you? What do you want him to speak to you about? And I would make a list. Make a list of those things. Then ask God for his wisdom, direction, and insight. And then sit back. Wait quietly for what God will say. Now, sometimes, avoid the temptation of, number one, being impatient and coming up with your idea of what he's saying. <laughs> I've tried that. That don't work. Um, but, you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, God doesn't have a speech impediment, okay? So he, he's going to make himself known. There have been times in which I've gone through this and asked God to speak to my heart, um, and there was silence. And that's okay. 
I didn't sense any clarity about stuff. I continued to seek him. But there's never been a time when, I, when the time came for the insight that he didn't give it to me. So what I'm saying is that don't be prescriptive about God. Don't think, okay, God, you need to speak to me uh, in these next 30 minutes about this. God says, really? No, I'm God. By the way, there's some other things that I want to do that you don't know about, and I'm not going to tell you about that right now. So I ain't going to say nothing right now. You just trust me. And when it comes time to speak, you'll hear me. And uh, so, uh, any, any questions before we spend some time, Scott, around the tables? Yes, sir. Um, backing up a little bit to uh, believers, other believers that speak for you. Do you think that uh, in this day and time, because of our affluence and our uh, prosperity and the fact that we don't really need a lot of people, that... Uh, Do you think that people are more reluctant to go? Now, everybody may have a different experience there, but my thing has always been if you have someone in your life that will come to you and say you're off track, you're, you're a lost track. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially men. Yeah. Women tend to be more, you know, they. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the strength, women t- typically are stronger relationally than we are. I mean, you could throw women into a room, 10 women in a room that never met each other, didn't know each other. And you leave them in there for two hours. You walk in there, they're hugging and crying, and, you know, 10 dudes, I mean, I mean, four of them left, three of them are fighting, and the other two are just talking about the Falcons. So, <laughs> so Yeah. Um, I think the way you the way you raise the question actually is the deal. I think we're so individualistic. I think affluence fuels competition and fuels isolation. Um, that's part of it, um, you know. And I think it, it takes humility. It takes humility. Transparency takes humility because it embraces vulnerability. And, you know, in order for me to, uh, on one hand, in order for me to approach someone, I need the courage to do that. Um, And in order for me to receive something from someone, you know, I need to express some openness to it. And that's why this stuff is very important. That's why this stuff is very important. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a heart that wants to be more godly than to be recognized. And if you want to be godly of necessity, that means you're going to have to swallow your pride and, you know, open your heart and listen to people and, uh, um, you know, by the way, just because somebody says something to you doesn't mean that you do it. Um, but you, you, you got to be able, the most godly people I've ever met in my life, whether it was, you know, I don't know, Bill Bright and the rest of them, the most godly people I've ever met in my life, 
they had this ability to invite people in. And they were great listeners. Because they didn't want to miss God's voice. They didn't want to miss that. So, yeah. Okay, Scott.